Thank you. Amen. Good, good morning. I tell my congregation the only thing worse than a boring preacher is a boring congregation. Amen. So if you don't want to if you don't want to be worse than a boring preacher, then uh, just go ahead and say amen. It is an honor to be here for the last few years. Pastor Darrell and I, we have developed a wonderful friendship. And uh, it came by doing a little more working together within the fellowship. And uh, really begin to see his heart and what was going on. Uh, for years when we knew each other, I did mainly traveling ministry. I traveled about 15 years full time. And I came to pastor about seven years ago now, just uh, between six and a half and seven. Started to transition seven exactly, but uh, uh, we're just having a time of our life, just letting God be God and uh, watching him do what he does best, and that's helping people. Amen? And so we're just honored to be here for this. And uh, I just want to, you know, I love heritage. When I look back and I look at uh, Pastor Darrell and I look at uh, a doctor... Well, they're both doctors, you know. I mean, thinking, how do you, Dr. Merrill and Dr. Merrill, and uh, but the senior, Dr. Merrill, and this family, and how it was handed down, and and it's just a glorious thing. The only father, father I had in ministry was my spiritual father, Ray Rothwell, put me in a pulpit for the first time at age 17, and uh, I've been preaching ever since. Never had a, a natural father that was in the ministry. Uh, I went back and checked family trees or whatever. I'm the only Harbaugh I could find that's, that's a preacher. I'm sure there's some out there I'm believing that we just don't know about. But uh, I'm, I, I think I'm not going to be the last. Amen. <clears throat> and there's going to be more that that's follows. I got a little boy that's eight years old. And we were talking the other day and we were saying something. I wanted to get him to. I said, you want to pray tonight at church? No. I said, come on. He said, well, I'm not the pastor yet. And I'm thinking, well, you know. <laughs> Maybe there will be a following. I'm thinking, I said, no, you're not. Uh, but anyway, God's faithful, and he's, and he's so good. But uh, uh, my wife and I just enjoy serving God together, and we just believe it's going to be a great time all the way to the end. Amen? So, Pastor Darrell, thank you again for having us, and uh, we're just going to let God do something special. Uh, I spoke Thursday night and Friday night, then last night, and everything I've come plain to do has not worked out exactly right. But uh, it's been good. But this morning, I don't know what you want to call it. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a teaching. I don't know if I'd call it a preaching. Uh, I just really felt when I laid my head down last night that I'm just going to tell a part of my story. And uh, how many likes a good story? Uh, sometimes your story is the best story. You know that? To tell about it. Now, this is, this is going to be a message in it because through this story, I got revelation about faith that's catapulted me into an, a dimension of walking with God. Not just being in ministry, but walking with God. And some people look at us and say, well, you got it so you could help preach. Before I was ever a pulpit man, I was a believer. I was a son. And I had to learn to walk with God. I have to walk by faith. I have to teach my children to walk by faith. Uh, you know, we have family things that we do and we live by faith. Uh, faith doesn't, you don't automatically have victory because you're the preacher. You have victory because you obey the word of God and you do what the word says. Amen. There's a lot of defeated people in ministry. And there's a lot of victorious people in the pews. And at the same time, there's a lot of victorious people in, in the pulpit, and there's defeated people in the pews. So it has nothing to do with your vocation, if you're in the ministry or not. We're all in ministry. But it has nothing to do if you're in a pulpit ministry. 
to get a hold of what I'm going to say. This is about everyday life. And that's what we want to talk about today. Amen. So if you have a Bible today, uh, I know that most of you read out of the NIV. Um, and, but I'm, I have the King James. I preach in so many different churches. You know, I don't know what they use, so I just stayed with one, and so I got used to it. I don't read the King James because Paul did or because Peter wrote it. I read it because it's just something I've got used to. But I'm sure they're going to show it up on there. If you don't have a King James Version, they're going to show it over on the overhead. But I just want to share from the Word of God, and I want to take a text this morning from the book of Luke, chapter 17. The book of Luke, chapter 17. If you can find it, say amen. amen. And if you can't, it's in the New Testament, and there's a concordant, there is a table of contents in front of the book you've got in your hand, and it'll help you out. Luke 17, I want to read at verse 5, and going down through verse 10. And I want to look at something that just uh, started just really getting into my heart, and I saw this working before I even uh, knew it was working. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Let me just pause there. The apostles came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. What did they want their faith increased? They wanted to do more what Jesus was doing? They wanted to, they wanted to see the things that uh, Jesus was seeing? You know, a lot of people, when they say, I want to be like Jesus, uh, when they say that, they're referring to, I want to do miracles like Jesus did miracles. But if you're going to be like Jesus, there's things about Jesus. He rose up early in the morning, he prayed, he walked with God, he always did those things that pleased God. It wasn't just about miracles. I mean, Jesus walked with the Father. And I mean, it was a glorious thing. And so uh, the, the, the apostle says, we want you to increase our faith. I've had people come up to me and say, you know, uh, I wish I operated in some of the faith you operated in. I said, well, you can. This is not just, just to me. It's not just, uh, this faith doesn't come because I'm in, the, I'm in this kind of ministry. It comes because we're believers and it's accessible to all of us. I mean, we have access to this kind of faith. If, we, if you have access to the Word of God, you have access to faith. You have access to it. Faith, I mentioned th Thursday or Friday night, faith is what happens when the Word of God explodes in your spirit. Faith is what takes place when the Word of God gets in there and becomes alive. It brings faith. And so they asked him, increase our faith. Years ago, uh, back when I was traveling, this must have been in the, um, I don't know, the early 90s or something like that. Uh, or early 90s, I would say, Pastor Rothwell asked me at that time, he said, I want you to come and do me an old-fashioned healing deliverance revival. I said, well, does it got to be old-fashioned? Can it be just modern here? You know, we get this old-fashioned thing. I said, does it got, I don't know what old-fashioned is. I wasn't, I didn't, I, would, I didn't live in the old-fashioned days. Well, of course, my daughter, she's 24, my oldest daughter, she asked me one day, she said, what was it like in the old days? I don't know what the old days are. What do you mean, the old days? Uh, but uh, he asked me to do a uh, healing deliverance revival. At this point in time, I didn't see what I'm going to uh, share this morning. But then uh, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, people are going to be healed and set free because of the anointing that rests upon you. 
But they'll lose it if they don't get the word solidified in their heart. The enemy will come and steal that out. And so I took this word about Lord increase our faith because a lot of people don't know how to get God to bless them by their own faith, but they want to get it through somebody else's. That's like I tell people all the time when I pray, and the reason why I want to teach like I do is because I want people to connect faith with God and connect faith with God's Word so that you can get it based upon what you believe. If you get it based upon what you believe, you're able to keep it when the enemy comes and try to talk you out of it. But there's a group of people who don't want to be taught. They just said, just touch me, don't teach me. Just anoint me. Just touch me, don't teach me. But you can touch people and they can be healed, but the enemy comes immediately and steals it away from them. When you get it because you're taught, not just because you're touched, victory will stay a lot longer, be a lot sweeter. Amen? All right. So they came and said, Lord, increase our faith. Verse 6. The Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be plucked up by the root, it should, and be planted in the sea, it should obey you. Now, let me look at this. If you had faith as. Now, you know, I've been a missions man all of my life. I had a head on collision with Jesus with World Mission at age 13 in the state of Iowa. I, I, uh, no one laid hands on me. Uh, I remember where I was standing. I fell out in the spirit that, that night. Uh, the most glorious light came and shone around about me. I didn't know anything about Apostle Paul's story. I wasn't on a horse when I fell off that day. I was standing as a 13-year-old boy. And out of that, the Spirit of God came upon me so strong and spoke to me about world missions. I thought I would be on the mission field and never see America again. I mean, I thought it was going to happen right that week. I mean, I was gone. My mom and dad's getting ready to lose a son. I mean, I was gone from that point on. But after I, after I came to myself for hours, I could not talk. I could not talk. I was filled with the Holy Spirit at that time. I could not speak. My youth minister was, I was living in Michigan at the time. My youth minister asked me, says, uh, what's wrong? And I could not speak. And he says, do you want to accept Jesus? And I'm thinking, accept him. I just was with him right here. And uh, I could, it was hours upon hours. And then I wouldn't tell anybody because uh, it would, you know, I had this in my mind. If I told people that I had this encounter at age 13, they thought I'd be crazy. So I wouldn't tell anybody for years of what really transpired in that. And that started develop inside of me at the age 13. So this is something that I've always wanted. Every time a missionary would come, I'm ready to run off with him. And that's why... I'm nothing more than a missionary just passing the church today. That's all I am. Because that's where my heart is. And, uh, but I've been to missions conferences all over, and people would hand me some mustard seeds. Anybody ever seen a mustard seed? You can buy them at Bible bookstores. I saw them in Israel and, and different things. And someone said, uh, well, this is, uh, you know what this is? I didn't know the first time. I said, no, what is it? They said, it's a mustard seed. You know, it's the smallest seed. I said, I've heard that. And uh, they said, this is all the faith you need to move a mountain. I said, Really? Now, before you check out on me, just let me finish what I'm going to say. Eventually, I started asking them, do you have any mountains? Well, sure. I said, you don't have that much faith? It's, you just said if you had that little bit of faith, you could move a mountain. Are you telling me you don't have that much faith? See, we, we, use, we talk about doctrine, but we don't know if we, we, if we really believe what we talk about. And uh, I said, if you have faith... This much faith, you can move a mountain? I said, that's not what the Bible says. Well, it is. I said, no, it isn't. 
The Bible said if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, he's going to compare your faith to a mustard seed, not to size, but what a seed does. The mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. Mark says when that seed is planted and it groweth up, it shoots out great branches that the birds are able to come and lodge in, and that's when you have, that's when you have manifestation. He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, we know faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you can allow one scripture, one word, the word of God is seed. You're not born again by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. When the word of God gets inside of your spirit, it's small. It may be a small seed. But you water that seed and you meditate on that seed and you, you protect it from the enemy coming stealing it. That seed will begin to grow up and begin to grow up and begin to grow up. And it's like Mark says, then comes a sprout and then comes a stalk and then comes the full ears of the corn. And you don't know what happened. You slept and rose up, slept and rose up. And next thing you know, you have a harvest. But if you allow the word to stay in mustard seed size, it's not going to help you, my brother and sister. The seed is meant to be planted and it's meant to grow up. And what Jesus is saying, you have the same thing I've got, except you've got to allow that which is little to explode in something big. Mustard seed faith is not bracketing how, how small it is and say this is all you need. That's why people are still in a miserable situation. You have enough word in you to bring you out, but you have got to develop that which is in you. He said, if you have faith as, not just the size, as a grain of mustard seed. He's comparing to what a mustard seed does. Even though it's small, he becomes great. Even though one scripture, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. That one seed, if I meditate on it and if I believe it, it's going to begin to grow. It's going to begin to grow. It's going to begin to grow. I'm going to speak to this mountain of sickness and it's going to be cast up. It's going to be plucked up by the roots and it's going to be thrown into the sea. Not when it's in a little state, but when it groweth up. That's mustard seed faith. Don't ever let your faith stay small. Smith Wigglesworth called it ever-increasing faith. <clears throat> now, is it, fair, is it fair to say that we're talking about faith here? If not, I'm on a wrong subject. Is he talking about faith in these verses? Come on, I'm just going to act like I'm at home. Is that okay? I'm just going to act like I'm preaching to my... I'm not going to be nothing different than I would be if I was preaching at home. They've heard me talk about this over and over again because I'm not backward to preach the same thing over and over. Why? Because I believe like Paul. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, for me to preach the same thing over to you is not grievous unto me, but it's protection unto you because I'm interested in people getting it and not just hearing it. All right, so we know he's talking about faith here, all right? We know he's talking about faith. Now watch this. It seems like almost verse 7, he starts changing the subject, but he doesn't change the subject. He stays on the subject. Here's what it says here. Let me just read it in, in the continuity of it. The apostles came and said, Lord, increase our faith. The Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should, or it will obey you. Which of you having a servant... Which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle 
will say unto him by and by. I'm thinking, how can you go from mustard seed to faith talking about a farmer, a servant, plowing and feeding cattle? Where does this come in with faith? Where does this come in at? Plowing and feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when you come in from the field, go and sit down that I may feed you. And will not rather say, make ready wherein I may eat or sup, and gird thyself and serve me. Now he's saying, uh, no one says as a servant when he comes in, you sit down, I'll take care of you. But he says when he comes in, you go ahead and get ready and you serve me. So he's talking about a servant. Say servant. He's talking about a servant. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to believe what I'm preaching here. And gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drank. And afterwards, you as a servant shall eat and drink. He said, does the master thank that servant because he did this? He said, I think not. I throw not. I think not. He said, do you thank him? No, you don't thank him. Why? Because it is his reasonable service to do this. This is what he was created to do. I'm here today to tell you something that changed my life forever. Faith is not just something out here. Whoa. Faith will be a servant to the believer. Faith is the servant to the believer. When I saw this, I mean, it just started doing something in me. Safe is created. Faith is created to serve. It's created to go into the field and bring back and, and bring things you want. But after you get what you have, you have to eventually feed your faith the Word of God again. And that's what I want to talk about. Faith being the servant to the believer. I was meditating on these verses. I was in Richmond, Indiana doing a meeting some years back, and I was meditating on these verses that said, uh, says, if you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, you might say in the sycamine tree. I just sat in there. I was on a platform over to the edge. You might say in the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe those things. You know, and I was just meditating on these things, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking about, you know, the sycamine tree. I don't know what I was looking at, a sycamine tree, but I had a vision, like a mini vision. I'm just standing there minding my own business, waiting for the pastor to introduce me like Pastor uh, Daryl did this morning. I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And uh, I saw, uh, as I was, I saw myself speaking the word. It's like I stepped into this vision and I saw myself speaking the word of God. And every time I saw myself speaking the word of God, I saw this man uh, type figure. I couldn't see a face. I saw this man type figure digging around a tree. When I quit speaking, it's like the digging stopped. The more I spoke, the more he dug. And I, this, it, looked, it seemed as if this took a long time, but apparently I looked at the clock, it wasn't that long. And all of a sudden, it's as if this person reached around this tree, plucked it up by the roots and cast it into the sea. And I heard this on the inside of me, that is your faith serving you. I heard that. Well, I didn't know what to do with it at that point in time. I started getting involved in it, and I, I got to thinking about faith being the servant. And all of a sudden, God began to take me back to a story. Now, this is where my story comes in at. He began to take me back in the story and started showing me how faith began to serve me and started plucking things up and casting things into the sea. How many wants to know how your faith is going to pluck up your mountain and pluck up your situation and cast it into the sea for you? Amen. 
Four of you. Glory to God. Rest of you, just enjoy the story. Um, what we have here is, in uh, 1996, uh, I was leaving for Kenya, East Africa, on February the 27th. I didn't arrive back home until about May 3rd. I was gone about eight or nine weeks. I would go about two months, home about five months, go two months, home five months, go two months when I was developing this work there. And uh, at this point in time, I was the for I was an associate pastor for Pastor Rothwell from 1988 to 1993. Now let me just bore you a few minutes. From 1988 to 1993, I was associate. 93, the Lord dealt with my heart. I want you to go ahead, resign from this, and I want you to prepare for the work that I'm going to put you into. I, and so September of 93, we started Lightnings of God Ministries International. And in January of 94, I found myself overseas, and this is where it all began. 94 and 95 into 96, going into the first part of 96, uh, when I wasn't overseas, I still worked construction. I worked construction the whole time I was the associate pastor, even though I was doing all the preaching, preaching weekends, uh, I, was still, I was still working construction. I was a uh, metal stud framer, sheetrock hanger, and a sheetrock finisher. That's what I did. That's how I, that's how I took care of my family. I, I, uh, I worked all over, all over the area, you know, drove three and four hours one way to get work. I was in the, uh, the uh, local union, but I wasn't during this time. I was in and out and, in the building trade union, and, and so uh, that's what I did. The church was small when I was the associate. They could only support one, one pastor. And, and so uh, I worked and, and was willing to do that. The Bible said he'd bless whatever I put my hand to. And he blessed me and, and I was able to do this. And so uh, a lot of times God would get me and deal with me about, you know, going into ministry full time. But I could not see myself. Now remember this. I'm a faith. I was known to be a faith person. I was a graduate of Rama Bible Training Center. I mean, I'd graduated years before that, and, and people had asked me to come, and I would teach, and I would minister on the subject of faith. And, and uh, uh, these are things that begin to happen, and I could, I could quote you scriptures, and I could do it, but all of a sudden there was this area in my life about God providing for me, apparently I didn't have faith for it. Just because you can talk about it and teach it, that doesn't mean it's real inside of you. And that's what, that's what gets people messed up. And so uh, every time I would think about God would deal with me about going into ministry full time, it's almost like, oh, I want to do that, but how? How could God ever provide for me? Folks, I was in debt. Anybody know debt? Anybody ever been introduced to debt? I was in personal covenant with debt. You're saying, what kind of debt? Before I bought bread and milk and gas for my vehicles, I was $150 in the hole every month. Now, you add bread and milk and food, things you enjoy. I was $150 in the hole. I was working every hour I could doing side jobs. I had another little business where I on the side where I sold cookware. I'd go into a house on a Saturday night, cook an 11-course meal, sell you a set of cookware, and I mean, and I was still in debt. I couldn't get out of debt. I hated it. I'm thinking, man, I can get myself healed and, and everything, but why can't I, why is this debt thing just gobbling me up? So I couldn't see how God could meet my need. Now, I'd preach it to you. I would say, God's word will bring you out of your debt. And I'm looking at myself thinking, it's not working for me. And I, I got to thinking, why isn't this working for me? Well, in 1996... 
I'm in Africa. We're getting ready to plant a new church in a place called Voy. It's in between uh, Mombasa out on the coast and on the road going towards Nairobi. It's an Islamic type area and, and we're going to plant this new church. I've been saving and saving and, and saving and we're taking a prayer team and, uh, from Mombasa from the churches there and we're taking the worship team and we're going to house them all and feed them all and I done I done rented a schoolroom building for six months. We have other uh, ministers coming in to do new convert classes after that because I'm going to go and do another open. At that time, it was all open-air crusades mainly. And I'm going to go plant and do another crusade, plant another church. I mean, this, is just, this was all going on. And when I got to this place called Voy, I stayed in this motel, you know, overlooking where we were going to do the crusade. In this particular one, we didn't even have a platform. We stood right on the, right on the area in this market area, you know, it was open, concrete in this area and open. And, and there was like a three-story motel, a hotel, motel. Uh, they call them hotels, but don't get confused by the word hotel. All right? Uh, it's nothing like you have here. I say in America, we have our low qualities called motel sixes. In Africa, they call them Motel 8s. I call them Motel 8s because they're completely ate up. And uh, so we don't have 6s, we have 8s over there. And so it wasn't nothing that you really like. And so that night of the crusade, I was looking out the window from that, and I saw the people gathering around, and I felt this anointing just stirring inside of me. I mean, it was just radiating inside of me. I came out that night, and, and uh, after they got done singing and dancing and dancing and dancing and dancing and I finally got the I finally got you know they introduced me all the way from America God's man of faith and power and I've always had that in back of me God's man of faith and power how in the world because I felt defeated in the area but that's what I had a reputation for but I was defeated and so I preached that night I mean there was a great anointing upon me I preached like a man from another world to them I was right I preached like a man from another world Always had great success. Miracles. Salvations. Never had a problem. Even in strong Islamic areas, I had success. They may have been small numbers, but never, you know, I can't say there was really time I struck out, you know. But that night, I struck slam out. I mean, no one responded. I had never experienced that. No one responds. You know, there's always some kids for nothing else, they want a white man to lay hands on them and see if it rubs off, you know? There's always some kids that just have that concept, maybe, what's going to happen there. They don't know, I mean, because you lay hands on them, they look at yourself. They look at you, and I'm thinking, it don't come off, you know? It's okay. But anyway, I love Africa. I love the people. And so uh, I went to my room that night. I cried out to God. It's not an excuse where I said, I pray, but God didn't speak. I, I, I don't know if I heard, could hear from God. I was in such emotional turmoil, but nothing happened. The next night, I preached that same message, not same message, same kind of anointing. I mean, there it is again. I'm thinking, oh, night's breakthrough. I preached with such power, and when I got done, I made the mighty forceful call, and I got the same results. I mean, nothing. I felt almost dejected. The third night I let an African pastor friend of mine preach. People got saved. People got healed. And to be honest with you, I got jealous. How, why? Why not me? So I said, I'm going to do the third. I'll, I'll do the fourth night. I said, here's for sure. This is it. I mean, it was so strong I almost couldn't breathe. 
I preached with the same power and got the same result. Zero. Good way to start a church, isn't it? I let my pastor friend preach. People got saved. People got healed. And I almost had that inside of me. Well, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. You ain't preaching no more in my meeting. You know, because you got this. Now you're feeling about what's people thinking about you. You know, this is a good thing to get out of you at times. If, if it's all about you, you can forget it. This was, a, this was a purging time for this old boy. And finally, several people were being saved because of not me, but they were there. Saturday night, I preached. Cried out to God, God, please do something. Felt good about preaching. And two old ladies, two old ladies came forward. Now, I'm so confused, messed up. I'm thinking they probably don't even need to be healed. They don't even need to be uh, prayed for. They just don't want to see me fail another time. <laughs> My faith was shot. I'm serious. I don't even know if I released faith when I prayed for them. All I can think about, they were feeling sorry for me. I prayed anyway, like I knew what I was doing, but not on the inside. They announced tomorrow morning, Brother Ken is going to be starting off the new church, and he's going to be teaching. Of course, the place was full. When you do something new, the place was full. Standing room only. I got up and took the book of Colossians. Now that you've received the Lord Jesus Christ, walk in him. I'm preaching and teaching with my interpreter. And up out of me, up out inside of me, I'm talking about one thing, and, it's, and I made a statement that didn't even make sense to what I was saying. You ever been talking to somebody, not to be crude, but all of a sudden you belch and you're thinking, oh, sorry. Where did that come from? It's embarrassing. That's how this happened. I'm talking all of a sudden. What did I mean when I said take up the cross? I told Peter Bandika, my interpreter, before I answer that, let me finish this. Because I didn't know what, I didn't know where this came from. I'm going again and all of a sudden, what did I mean when I said take up the cross? I spoke it out loud. I said, before I answer that, let me finish this. Now I'm preaching, no one's getting saved. I'm talking in riddles and not answering to myself. I'm looking like I'm really good, man. Most humbling time of my life. It happened the third time. And I did the same thing. Before I answer that, let me finish this. The fourth time he stood there and looked at me. You're going to have to answer this. And I started and I saw Jesus in a way I've not seen him. I took him from the garden to the cross. It was the most powerful thing I've ever said in my life. And I made this statement. Once the cross went on his back... There was no turning back. People, the scripture said he could have called 10,000 angels. There's no turning back. He was completely committed. I heard on the inside of me as if somebody stood behind me. I heard this on the inside of me. I didn't speak it out. And you haven't taken up your cross. I didn't say another word. I know when correction it comes. It still affects my heart today. I looked at Peter and I said, you go ahead and close in prayer.
I was not even going to pray the benediction for Jesus, the head of the church, to tell me I haven't taken up my cross. See, folks, you don't know. People see where I'm at today. They have no clue what you have to go through to get where you're at. They just see where you're at. I walked outside and I said, uh, you go ahead and pray. I'm not even finished my sermon. And I went outside and I said, God, I'm hurt. I don't know what to say. At this point in time, I've lost everything in my life. Literally. The reason I spent so much time in Africa because I didn't have anything in America to hardly go back to. I mean, I had a nice three-bedroom house. I'm down to a one-bedroom apartment. Not even a couch, a chair in the living room. I've given everything I can to preach this gospel. And the head of the church just told me that I haven't taken up my cross. It was the longest trip back to the city of Mombasa, and I, made, I got back there to this motel where I was staying at. And I said, uh, I will not eat or drink until I find out what he just said. And I fell down, and on this cold concrete type floors, that old school, that Trazo type floors, and I fell down on that floor, and I began to cry out to God. And I said, I don't understand. From where I stand, I've sacrificed everything I have to do this. And this is where people get the mentality that once you accept Jesus, you've taken up your cross and followed him. And this is where I was trapped into that same doctrine. And, and I heard on the inside of me, God began to speak to me. He said, son, every time I get you to the place where I want you to do a certain thing, you have made every kind of excuse. You don't have the money. You can't do this. You stutter. You can't talk. You've made every kind of excuse until you obey me and you're in my perfect will. You do not have the cross up on your back. The reason why he had the cross, because he was in full obedience, full compliance. And you are not in obedience. You're not in compliance. Yes, you're serving me and you're doing everything, but you're not doing the perfect thing. I said, what do I do? I'm in the third day. What do I do? You make a commitment right now that you go home and you'll stop everything you're doing. And you will follow me and you will do there in America what you're doing here. You will go where I tell you to go and you will preach when I open the door. You won't be tied to this job. I said, God, I can't do it. You know my debt. You know my debt. Can you imagine talking to a God that has the ability to do anything? And I'm, I'm sitting there still caught up in this. I said, well, Angel and I, were, we're just getting married. And, and I said, uh, you know, I, Father, I, I don't remember Arlie hardly ever paying on principle. I mean, I've paid interest all my life. I'm marrying a woman that's never paid interest at all. It's always been principle. My wife's a CPA, man. I mean, debits and credits, they got a match. And I said, there's no way. She'll never marry me. I'm done. He said, if you obey me, she'll follow you all the way to the end. I let a whole other day go by. I fought this thing and fought this thing and fought this thing until I got to where I couldn't hardly breathe. I'm laying on my face and I jump up and I just said, okay, okay, whatever you want, I'll do it. Whatever you want, I'll do it. We're starting a meeting the next night in a city called Caliphi. That night, I had that same anointing that I had 
in void. But this time, heaven came down. Heaven came down. There was something about making a commitment that I didn't make. That I never had. Folks, if you want to really do something for God in your position, all you've got to do is just sell out to Jesus and quit trying to live part of your life your own way and part of it His way. Just do it His way. Amen. This is the church. It's not Burger King. You can't have it your way. There's something about it. And I finished up May the 2nd. I'm getting ready to leave. And all the way home, all I could hear was, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? My father, I'm, I made it home. I told Angel, and she said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. And uh, just to tell a little more of that, about six months into this, she says, Ken, you've you got to work. And I knew in my heart, this is how strong it was. If I quit now, I told her, I said, if I quit now and if I go back, I'll die young. I'll never live to see my life fulfilled. I can't go back. I am so passionate about what I do today, not because I just want to be a preacher. It's because God gave me a chance to do something, and I'll never go back to what he told me to do. I'll never go back to anything else. It don't matter if it's pastoring. I didn't want a pastor. I, wouldn't, I didn't want a pastor. But I'm doing it because I'll never take this cross off my back. It cost me too much to get it there. It cost too much for me to get it. And that's what Jesus did. Not what I did, what he did. And one day I stood in her house. She said, there's no way you can make it. She said, you're going to go under. You're going to go under. And I'm standing in her little apartment. I said, I'm, I'm going to walk out of this door right now. I'd rather walk away and end this whole thing today and hurt now than hurt later. This is over. And I was walking out of her door and she called me and she says, no, come back. We'll make it work. And all of these years, she's staying side by side with me. And it works today. That's that side of the story. I went back to my little apartment, and I didn't do anything. This is when this scripture started coming alive to me, right here. I took my clock off the wall. I took some hand towels and covered up over other things, took my watch off. I said, I've preached faith for years, but apparently I know nothing about it. I took four little books I had from Rama, Brother Hagen wrote, What Faith Is, The Real Faith, How to Turn Your Faith Loose, and Right and Wrong Thinking. And I said, I'm going to act like I never have heard the subject of faith in my life. I'm going to act like it. And I started off with simple things. Now faith is. I didn't have anything nice. And... Uh, and I, I, I spent two and three and four and five hours a day just in the presence of God. No work, nowhere to go. One day, I, my father asked me to take him to the store. He started having strokes when he was 30. He died when he was 57. He started having strokes, and I took him to the grocery store, and he was in there for a long time. And I went in to see him. I thought he fell, you know, because he didn't have, wasn't sure-footed. And... Uh, this lady at the counter, service counter, she said, Ken, when did you get back from Africa? I said, oh, a couple weeks ago. She says, uh, well, I figured you'd be in here. I lived right across the street. She said, I had something I wanted to give you. And she handed me, a, she handed me an envelope with $87 in it. When I took the tithe out, that was exactly what I needed that month to pay my electric bill. I mean, I started with nothing. This was in May. I watched God do supernatural things financially in my life, May, June, and July. Now, mind you, I didn't have any place to preach. 
I've been in the North Central Region of Fellowship. Pastor Rothwell was a VP. He said, I'll write you a letter. You write a letter. We sent a letter to 98 people in North Central Region. 98. Two people contacted me. I followed up with them. Two people contacted me and said, thank you for your letter. I said, again, I'll never write another letter. This is it. I'll never write another letter to preach. I'm not going to put myself in a place that God didn't put me. And prior to me pastoring seven years ago, that year before, I preached right at 300 services in one year. And never sent a letter out. And so, uh, all of May, no places to preach. People just handed me a little bit here, a little bit there. All of June, no place to preach. All of August, middle of August, I preached one message. I preached for Wayne Gardner right here. He pastored in the Assemblies of God Church. He's now on my staff. He gave me an opportunity to preach in August. Every day. In the word, praying, building myself up. In June, my starter went out on my car. I, 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 drove, a, I drove a backslid car. It drank real bad and smoked. <laughs> and uh, it was smoking out the back and drank a lot of oil. Just joking. No, don't take it personal. And uh, lighten up the congregation here a little bit. And so the starter went out. And I said, Lord, if somebody did call me to preach, I don't have a place to get, I don't have a way to get there. Now, this car wasn't much of a car. The whole dash was out of it. And I took it for the first time. I said, I take these scriptures. Father, I believe right now. I called the parts store. The starter was $100. I, I claim it right now. I believe today, today, I receive the $100 to buy this starter. I, I, I was going to go back to like I never did faith before. And I've believed God for thousands of dollars to go to Africa. But I had to get it to where I knew how to get it on purpose. That night I went to bed, no money, no starter. But I didn't do what I did before. I didn't go, well, I guess it didn't happen. I went to bed with faith in my spirit. Now, I'm already in the Word all of May, all of June. I mean, just something supernatural is taking me over. Something supernatural is taking. I'm speaking the word constantly. I mean, I'm speaking the word at it constantly. I don't know what's going on. I don't know that I got a servant out there working. I didn't see this scripture for two months, all of May and all of June. Faith began to work as a servant. Faith began to dig around this sycamine tree. Faith was digging, but I didn't know what faith was doing. Faith wants to work. It's created to serve us as a believer. And faith kept digging around that tree, but I didn't know it. I couldn't see it. And the next day, 10 o'clock in the morning, somebody knocked on my door, and it was an older, older gentleman. He said, I tried to get here yesterday. The Lord told me to bring you something. He handed me a $100 bill. And I said, Pastor Darrell, I said, my new faith walk started with a starter. And from that point on, all of June, I just kept praying and speaking the word. All of July... Praying and speaking the word, revelation began to change my life. All of August, a couple places to preach. Praying and speaking the word. September the 18th, my phone rings. Don't have a cell phone. My phone rings. Ken, this is so-and-so. My wife and I really believe that God has told you to do what he's told you to do. I had people tell me for years, you ought to go full-time. When I did it, you know what they told me? Are you crazy? They said, we really believe that God's told you to do this, and I want to help you. I want you to bring me all of your bills, what you owe, 
And I'm going to write you a check. And I want you to pay them off and you're going to pay me back interest free. That's what I'm going to do. Man, I tell you what, it felt like a load lifted off of me. Angel and I got to their house that night. She said, we know you're going to get married. We got to their house that night. I sat at their dining room table. And when I sat there, he said, you know, what I was going to do, I'm not able to do now. I'm not going to be able to loan you the money. Three months before that, you know what would happen to me? I would have bottomed out right there, inside. I preached it all the time, but I didn't really have it in me. He says, no. He says, what I'm saying is, God told us. Now, they're financially capable of doing this. He said, what I'm saying is, God told me, I can't loan it to you. I have to give it all to you. It's never to be paid back. I said, excuse me. I pulled the chair back, and I just got up and danced around that room. (laughs) What happened that day was this. My servant called Faith. Because I took the seed, which was the size of a mustard seed, and I planted it in my heart, and I constantly spoke over it, spoke over it, spoke the word. Under my benevolence, according to these verses, I have a servant going out. All of May, when I get my heart right, he was digging around that sycamine tree. All of June, he's digging around that sycamine tree. All of July, he's digging around that sycamine tree. August, he kept digging around that sycamine tree. September the 18th, when that man says, I'm going to give it to you, it's going to be in full. That's when he reached around that tree and he plucked it up by the root. And the next thing it was, just a splash. That's how God will work for you. If you take the word of God, it doesn't matter if you're a preacher, if you're an usher, if you're, a, if you're a Sunday school teacher. If you take the word of God and you put it in your heart, you speak to your body, you speak to your finances, you speak over your situation. Even though it seems like it may never change. I want you to be ready at any minute to hear the splash. Because I promise you, God will not fail. God will not fail. From that point on, I married Angel without debt, but I didn't have anything, nothing. I've lived by faith ever since. I've never owned a brand new car. Still today, I've drove good cars. I've preached the gospel. I've supported world missions. I've built and I've developed. I've done. I live good. I live in a good home. I live in a good area. But it's all now knowing how I got it. And it's all about knowing how I'm going to keep it. Faith is not something we talk about. Faith is how we live. No word. No faith. No faith. No servant. No servant, no plucking up of the tree. No plucking of the tree, no splashy. No splashy, defeated. You have the right to live victorious 
all the days of your life. May you never forget that faith will serve you as a believer. It doesn't matter how big it is now. You know what I do? I'll just close my eyes now because I see it. Something big. I'll just continue to speak the word over it. I'll, I'll just sit down. I'll, I'll sit down and think about it. I'll just speak the word over it. In my mind, it's not blank anymore. I'm, I'm just watching this man-type servant dig, 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 dig. Dig, 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 dig. Dig, 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 dig. Knowing that any day now, what day is it? I don't know. How long is it going to be? I don't know. I just know if I keep my heart right, I keep my mouth right, and I keep the words right, eventually, maybe unexpected, I'm going to hear a great big splash, and it's going to be victory all over again. Amen? It's going to be victory all over again. That's how you live. That's how you live. The just shall live by the word. Now I'm just going to close with these two things. During this time when this was happening, when I had that vision, and then God showed me how this worked in my life. I didn't know. He showed me this, and I'm thinking, wow, that's good. But then when he walked me, when I went back to remember what I came through in 96, I saw it worked perfect. You remember in Luke chapter... Seven, ten chapters back, it said there was a centurion that he was a man in authority. Not because he put himself there, because he was placed in authority. Have him under him soldiers. You know, he wanted Jesus to come and heal his servant. They came to Jesus and said, uh, come and do this because he's worthy for whom you should do this. You know, he loveth our nation. He built us a synagogue and all these things. And and so, uh, on, when Jesus on his way there, the centurion sent somebody else said, uh, tell the master, don't, don't worry about coming any further. For I'm a man that understands authority. Authority. This is where I get, unless you understand authority, faith and authority are, has got to be there. You gotta, this comes by submission, it comes by discipline. That's what I tell people. You can't, live a, you can't be a maverick to get this to work. You've got to go by submission to have the authority. Servants respond, not just out of faith, but faith, a man and woman of faith that understands divine authority. And you'll never exercise authority beyond your submission. That's why I'm submitted to God. I'm submitted to the men of God in my life. I don't sass the men of God in my life because I want God to bless me. I want blessings by being under the men of God in my life because I'll never get my servant faith to work unless I understand this authority. All right? You can't just be a rebel. And he said this, when I say to one goeth, he goeth. When I say to one cometh, he cometh. When I say to my servant, do this, he, do, he doeth it. I'm teaching on a Sunday morning, and I heard this inside. Do you see how that ties back to uh, chapter 17? I said it out loud. No, I've never seen that. The pastor in the front row said, why didn't you see? I said, I can't tell you. He said, notice, because he's under authority, when he said to his servant, his servant went. That's your faith. Your faith doesn't move unless you understand this authority. I've had time, I'll tell you on how to get into this authority and how it works for you. But I think you got a word of God spoken here by your pastor. You can understand it. So, if you really want it to work, don't allow the message just to get you all hyped up. You say on inside of yourself, I'm going to today choose to not only submit to God, 
but I'm going to submit to those who are over me. And I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to allow God and those he placed over my life to have a say in my life. And therefore, the word of God is always going to produce. And faith will always respond. Because I'm in a place of authority and I'm under authority. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's stand together. There's nowhere to quit. You just have to unhook, you know. But I've said enough to unhook. The Bible said that we can lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Would you just lift up your hands right now? Father, I thank you. There's people in this room, Master, that don't know what to do, don't know where to go. Some of them are just as in bad a shape as I was. Some of them are struggling to believe God for their finances, their body, their relationships. This is not just about faith. It's about your word. Without your word, there isn't any faith. But Father, it's about getting the cross up on your back. Unless I made that first decision, nothing would have ever worked after that. I sold myself out to you. I can't get their servant to work for them. Father, I know that. They couldn't get mine to work for me. I had to choose and make a decision. But my first choice was to sell out to you, Jesus. To dedicate and sell completely out to your way and to your plan for my life. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, listen to me. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what your commitment level is. There's some people very good with church attendance. They just don't have a very good light outside of the house. Church attendance don't get you to heaven. Church attendance don't get you in victory. It's being faithful. It's being faithful. I've told people in my church, I'm just I'm honest with them. To some of you, I have a title only, pastor. I don't have any authority in your life. I can't even help you. I have a title. I'm as honest as I can be because I want to see results. Today, if there's anything in your heart, my brother or sister, if there's anything in your heart that's not right with God, that's not pleasing with God, you haven't taken up the cross. You're still doing it your way. You know the book of Jude says, don't go the way of Cain. You know what it means by don't go the way of Cain? Cain wanted to offer sacrifice the way Cain wanted to offer it. Not, be what, not the way God wanted to offer it. Don't be a Cain today. Be a son. Be a daughter. Be faithful. Decide today. I will take up the cross and follow Jesus. Either you've never been born again, you've never accepted Jesus, or maybe you have and you've walked away. Or, or instead of using the word backslid, I, just, I, I like to just put it this way. You walked out of Father's house. You're still much of a son the days you always were. You're just, you're just outside of Daddy's house. But the Father's saying, it's time to come home. It's time to come home, son. It's time to come home, daughter. 
I wish they'd have never named that parable the prodigal son. Anybody could be a prodigal. You know what makes that parable powerful? The loving father. If I could rewrite that part, I'd call it the parable of the loving father. Because it's the love of the father that drew it, drew the boy. Today, I'm simply going to ask you this. If you've got to get your heart right, you've got to get your heart fixed. If you need to make a commitment or you need to sell out for the first time to Jesus, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to cut that process out. I'm just simply going to ask you to get out of your seat and come and stand with me right here this morning. It's time that we take our cross and we follow Jesus today. I want you to come now. Don't wait and see if somebody's more spiritual than you is going to respond before you move. This is the time where you know if you've got the cross up on your back or not. You know if you're really walking and doing what you know is right. Come now. That's the invitation right there this morning. Amen. Who will be the first one to respond to this? Always like the first move. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I love you. I thank you, Jesus. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow him. We used to sing a song, what, in Sunday school? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. Then we'd go on and say, though none will follow. This is what decisions that we have to make. We're going to sell out to this. You know, listen to me. You that are here and you that are standing there. Laying on of hands cannot put the cross up on your back. Laying on of hands don't fix everything. I can cast out devils. You can anoint for people to be healed. You can set people in ministry by the laying on of hands. You can't lay hands on people for commitments. That's got to come directly from your heart. That can be kneeling down in your bathroom floor or at the altar of the church. You can do it anywhere. But this is a sign. This is a commitment. I'm changing my direction. Would you all close your eyes and pray this prayer with me? I want to pray this prayer. Everybody here, I want to pray this dedication prayer. Say, Father, all over the house, Father, I thank you today for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being obedient to the perfect will of the Father and for taking up your cross. Today, Lord, I want to be faithful. To this purpose forgive me of my sin cleanse me of all unrighteousness 
restore me. I desire to take up the same cross. I'm willing to lose myself so I can find myself. I lay it all down so I can become whole. Today, I stand before you with an open heart that I need you. Today is a new day. I'm forever changed in Jesus' name. Now, you that have come, listen to me. I don't know what your situation is. But I'm going to pray for you, not for your heart to be committed. But sometimes we can be down. It's kind of like a motorcycle, you know, or, or a car. You know, if it's a, some you can push it and pop the clutch and get it going. And I'm just going to pray for you that there's a jump start in your spirit. There's just a jump start for you. That you're going to go on. All right? Father, I thank you right now. Would you help me pray, church? I thank you right now. I pray for my brother. I pray right now for a jump start in the spirit. No turning back. In the name of Jesus, a jump start. You can bring him out like you brought me out. Father, you can bring her out. I'm a testimony of it. You're good. Your mercy endures forever. In the name of Jesus, faith or servant works for her now. You bring her out. In Jesus' name, bring her out. Pray for an energizing of the Spirit. An energizing of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. Father, you help him today. In the name of Jesus. Yes, I speak encouragement. I pray that he'll be lifted on the inside. A boldness will rise up in him to take this stand and to do that which is right. Father, I thank you for today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, we just worship you this morning. I can't uh, help but think that the Lord's work isn't done in our hearts. So let's just, just spend a couple minutes with him. Because I think there's a lot of us that just need to, to make that surrender. Maybe even in the quietness of the moment, we're not going to sing a song or anything. Maybe you just need to, to get on your knees right now. You may not need to get all the way down on your face and, and, uh, and worship. Let's just, let's just spend some moments with the Lord. God, we are here today. But we don't want it just to be from our lips.
We want it from our lives, God. Your word penetrates so deep inside of us right now that we are at a decision point whether we grab that cross or we walk away. It's that serious. So we choose the cross. And in these moments, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Jesus, do what only you can do in our life, God. We just wait on you, Lord, this morning. We wait on you, Lord. We wait on you. Spend these next moments with the Lord, just you and God. No hype. If you need to sit, stand, kneel, whatever you need to do, just spend some time with God. Hallelujah.
power of the Lord is here, and, and I don't know why, but I just can't get away from this. Um, and and it's because this isn't something that I can do for you or Pastor Ken can do. We can't do this for you. But I just feel led for, Pastor Ken, can you just join me up here? We're going to pray over the people. And uh, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands. Because I'm sensing such a hunger for the, there's, there's, you can almost feel it, that, that, that we want it. And I want the breakthrough today. I want it in all of our lives. And um, so, Ken, I'm just going to have you pray under the anointing, and we're going to receive. Now, this is something Pastor Ken can't do it for you. Hallelujah. But you can do in your yielded state. And the Holy Spirit can do it right now. Lord, thank you. I thank you for the hunger. I thank you for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit right now. You're serious about this, Father. We have made church for so long about a lot of things, but it's got to be about you. It's got to be about hungry hearts, broken hearts, submitted spirits. Father, I pray right now for the move of your spirit right now that hovers over us. I pray that the Spirit of God would just go down into the deep recesses of our heart. That we'll never look back at this day just as a good message, but God will look at this as a life-changing event. That today, wherever we build our altar in the pew or up front, that altar today will forever alter our life. Father, breathe on us right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I've watched it and I've watched it all for years. We're in the atmosphere you have created such a hunger for people to walk with you and to live in the Spirit. I thank you for right now. Heaven's help is upon us. Blessing in ways we have not experienced. Burn fire of God. Burn out the things that are not right. We, if our right eye offend thee, we pluck it out today, Father. If our right hand offend thee, we cut it off. So that you can bring healing to us right now. We hunger to let go of everything. A hunger lets us, compels us to let go of everything. And just take complete hold of you. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to... Do something we don't often do, and that's just uh, allow the Holy Spirit to dismiss us. We're not. I'm, I'm going to bless you, and we'll, we'll we'll give you the blessing. But I want you to stay as long as you need to stay. This isn't uh, Pastor Daryl saying you can go. It's God saying you go. And uh, so I want I want to make this just a place of prayer and meeting with the Lord for the next few minutes. Uh, Pastor John, if you don't mind just playing quietly on the keyboard, we're just going to keep this. 
an attitude in a, in a house of prayer. Um, if, if I could, before I give you the blessing, I'm, I'm just going to ask if we could receive an offering for Pastor Ken because uh, he's done great things in the past for missions, but I want to tell you, his life and ministry, he's doing more for missions around the world now than ever before. And uh, I want to sow generously into his life as he has sown generously by staying with us. And uh, can you tell why he's a good friend? Can you tell why I just want to be around him? And so if you can give today and, and sow into his ministry and be generous, that would be good. And then we're just going to go back into a, a time of prayer and, and waiting on God, having just a little extra time with the Lord. I, I don't know about you, but I, I could use all the time I can get with God. Sometimes I don't want to leave, and so you don't have to leave today. You can spend it with the Lord. I'm going to invite the men and women to come forward. God, we just pray uh, today as we give. Lord, we just stretch forth our hand toward Ken, and we believe, God, your anointing is upon him, that you're going to give him safe travel so that he can be back at his church by tonight. God, he's going to go back rested, refreshed, ready, God, for his next assignment. And God, as you have, you will meet all of his needs according to your riches and glory. And thank you, God, for letting us be a part of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you give, and, and this is something Ken would never say, uh, but I'm just going to say this. Um, you need this word. You need word in your life more than just Sundays. And he'll never mention it, but I'll tell you, he's got CDs out on that table. And I would like you uh, to get the word inside of you. We need it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so the best way to get more word inside of your heart is to get the word and play it on your CD player, get it on your computer, just get it inside of you. And so um, we're just going to let you buy that if you want that. It's available out there. All the stuff that's going on is a bulletin. But let me bless you. And then you just spend some time with the Lord. Do you want to stand, sit, kneel? you want to come to the altar? The only thing I ask if, is if you are going to go, just go quietly. You don't feel like you have to stay if you feel dismissed of the Lord. But if you are just going to talk in fellowship, if we could just move our talking in fellowship to the lobby, that would be great. Pastor Ken will be out there in the lobby to talk to you and pray with you. But let me bless you, and then we'll just uh, have our time with the Lord in here. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon your covenant people. That's who we are, God. That's our identity in you. God, I believe, Lord, today that your blessing is upon us, that your favor is upon us. God, your goodness is shown toward your people, and that's us, and we thank you for that. God, I thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. God, we can always count on you. And so, Lord, we just want a few more moments with you. God, we know there's a week ahead that we're moving into and that you're going to be with us during that week. But, God, right here in this moment, as we take up our cross, we want a few more minutes with you. And so, Lord, meet with us in a very deep and real way today. And, God, thank you for keeping us safe and strong until we can gather together again as a church and worship you. Amen. Amen.